So I will start off by just giving a simple illustration. Now, this illustration may or may not apply to every person here, but it, I hope it will resonate with all of you today, and uh, I hope that you'll be able to see how it all ties in with what I have to say today. I will start the illustration by asking a simple question, and that question is, have you ever had the following situation happen to you? You meet somebody that you respect. You respect their views, you respect their opinions, you respect them, you respect what they have done in life, and most probably, you respect what they, they have done for you. This person may be a nurse, they may be a doctor, they may be a professor, they may be a teacher, they may be your mother, it may be your father, it may be your uncle, maybe your sibling, or even one of your peers. But for the purpose of this illustration, we're going to call it, call him or her individual A. So on the day that you meet individual A, you happen to be accompanied by another individual. This individual is the total opposite of individual A. And I hope no one here is like individual, uh, like uh, the person who, who you're accompanied by, who we're going to call individual B. I hope no one is like individual B. If you are like individual B, I would uh, quickly put a disclaimer so that you do not sue me. And the disclaimer is as follows. Any resemblance of actual events or, or people living or dead um, is purely coincidental. End of disclaimer. Now individual B is somebody that you tolerate. Actually the world regards individual B as a stalker. He is somebody or he or she is somebody that you um, is weird. They are strange. And you regard individual B as possibly an acquaintance, somebody you just know. But when somebody says that individual B is your friend, you freak out and you deny, immediately deny that this person is your friend and you do not know them. You are, your denial is even faster than Peter's denial of Jesus Christ. Even before the rooster crows, you would have denied that individual a hundred times over. So as individual A and individual B are standing there, you can tell that individual A is intrigued by individual B and wants to know who individual B is. But you conveniently and tactically avoid introducing individual B because you don't want that discomfort of saying who individual B is. Now, as I say, this illustration may not apply to any of you. But there was once a time, it may ring true even up to now, there was once a time where none of us were proud enough or confident enough to stand up in a room filled with people and declare that you are Zimbabwean. Especially if you stood up after somebody from a first world country has stood up and said, hi, my name is Individual A and I come from country so-and-so where our fuel is 80 cents. Then you stand up as a Zimbabwean and you say, hi, my name is Individual B and I am from Zimbabwe where our fuel is $1.73. The short of it, ladies and gentlemen, it's what's called shame, being ashamed, being embarrassed. The title of my message today is Unashamed, the new heaven and the new earth. As we continue and conclude today on this series called The New, all things new. 
You may be wondering, what does unashamed have to do with all things new? And thank God you came to church today for, because for the next two hours we'll be able to see what all this has to do with all things new. As you turn to Hebrews 11 verse 13 to 16, it will not come up. Hebrews 11 verse 13 to 16. If you do not have a Bible and you cannot afford one of the Bibles that uh, we sell at the Info Hub, please do see us or please give your name at the Info Hub and we could possibly help you with the Bible. If you do have an electric, uh, electronic device, that electronic device is not only used for Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and WhatsApp. It can also be used to read your Bible. There are Bible versions that you can read. A good one is version. If you can download a version Bible, it will be wonderful. Hebrews 11 verse 13 to 16 says the following. These all died in faith not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. But as it is, they desire a better country, that is a heavenly one. Therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. God is unashamed to call them their God, for God has prepared a city for them. First and foremost, in the scripture reading we just read, you will have realized that there is a particular group of people that God is unashamed of. Now these people are a people of faith, a people who have lived or live by faith, or died or die by faith. To live and die in faith, not in LA, is what you and I have been called to do. The unique thing about these individuals, these, this particular group of people, is despite not having received the promise that had been promised to them, they held on even to the point which we call the end, which is death. Ladies and gentlemen, death is not the end. It is just a transition from one stage to another stage. But it, it, it only, you can only go to two locations after you die. There is no other location you can go to. It is hell or heaven. Hell is very real and heaven is even realer than hell. Amen. And so you can decide where you want to go. These people held on. They never gave up. They believed in faith, even to the point of death, not re re receiving here on earth what had been promised. You see, ladies and gentlemen, without faith it is impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. These people did not conform to the pattern of this world, but their mind was transformed because they considered themselves as strangers. The world considered them as strange. And they acknowledged that, yes, we may be strange, but our strange is with an R-S at the end. We are strangers. 
without a share here on this world. We are aliens passing through this world. The one thing that um, is unique or distinguishes a sojourner, a pilgrim, an exile, a stranger, whatever version your Bible uses, is that these people, they travel light. They, uh, they don't put their roots down in a place because they know that where they are, it is temporary and soon they'll be moving on to another place. That's why they never sought to, to create empires for themselves. That was the sin of Babel. For Babel said, the, the people in Babel said, we will create a utopia without God. We will create a utopia for ourselves. These people, these strangers, should not be regarded as street kids or street adults. Do you know what a street adult is? A street adult is a politically correct term for Isponda or a hobo. It is a street kid who has grown up in the, street, in the streets and now is an adult. And the thing about a street kid is that they have, most of them, is that they have run away from home. But we, strangers, these strangers, are looking for a home. They are seeking a home where God has prepared a home for them. Amen. So, if we're going to be like this group of people, a particular group of people who had faith, we need to have the same mindset. A mindset where we keep our hearts from settling our treasures on the temporary, and, but settling our treasures on the eternal. For the treasures which are temporary are subject to loss, they're subject to decay, they're subject to rust, they're subject to rot, they're subject to moth. But when you store up your treasure in heaven, it is subject to the elements of, the, of eternity. Where your heart is, there your treasure will be. In Colossians 3 verse 1 to 2, it says the following, Since you have been raised with Christ, set your mind on the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above and not on the things on earth. When you set your mind on the things above, you are not pouring out your heart, your passions on things that will not last, but you are pouring them out on the things that will last. Peter puts it this way in 2 Peter, uh, in 1 Peter uh, 1, uh, 2 verse 11, he says the following. It says, Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. And why would they be a war in your soul, ladies and gentlemen? If you are not, if you are, if you are a child of God, they, the reason why there will be a war in your soul is because you are not of this world. Now are you the, ch the child of God? Now are you a son of God? And so whenever you are chomi chomi, homie homie with the world, you put yourself against the principles of the kingdom of God. And therefore, there is a war in your soul. Friendship with the world is enmity with God. The Bible says in 1 John 2 verse 
15 to 16, it says, do not love the world. Do not love the world and all that is in it. The desires of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, all these things are not from the Father, but are from the world. Do not love the world. And so, as we look at the new heaven and the new earth, let me just quickly take you through two types of Christians that we will find in the world right now. And these type of Christians, uh, these two individuals are allegories or types of, of believers that we currently find in the, in the body of Christ right now. And this is Lot and Abraham. Lot is a type of a believer who looks at things. They make decisions based on what they see rather than what God says. For the Bible says of Abraham and Lot, when the, the servants of Abraham and Lot were fighting against each other, Abraham called Lot and said to him, Nephew, Nzukuru, Nchanawami, listen, let us not fight against each other. You, wherever you decide to go, I will go the opposite direction. And the Bible says of Lot, then he lifted up his eyes and saw that the Jordan Valley was like the garden of the Lord and like the land of Egypt. It is amazing how many Christians, how many believers are willing to compromise, especially in these, in these days, all based on something being like God and, something, and gaining material gain because it is like Egypt. It is so amazing. So amazing how so many deals, business deals, partnerships, marriages, relationships, jobs that people decide to take on are all based on it is like the garden of God and it is like the land of Egypt. Even to the point that people super spiritualize the decision of why they're making that decision. You know, the one thing that I find difficult when somebody comes to me is when somebody says, God said to me, there is no more discussion. Absolutely no more discussion. You have put a full stop when you say, God said. God said I should do this. Or when I open up the Bible, you know, my brother, the script God spoke through his word and the scripture that fell as soon as my eyes opened up that word, God spoke to me. Okay, what if God said, as you open up the, your Bible and you say the first thing that God said when you open up your Bible, what if your eyes fell on the following scripture and Judas hung himself? Would you do that? You know, ladies and gentlemen, and I say this lovingly, do not fool yourself. God is not mocked. Do not deceive yourself. If you're making a decision, do not compromise. Check your motive. It's very important that you check your motive. Why are you making that decision? 
Right now we sang that song, I have decided to follow you, to follow Jesus, no turning back. But was that song really real as we sang it? The, the cross before me, the world behind me. And yet people still go after the, the world and they leave the cross. Talking about the man Lot, the Bible says in 2 Peter 2 uh, verse 8, it says, How that man tormented his own righteous soul. By the decision he made, he tormented his own righteous soul. It was not the devil that tormented his soul. It was his own decision that made him, that, that tormented his own righteous soul. No one else. And the decision he made, the outcome of that decision, is that his wife became substance for a salt shaker. His grandchildren were born in incest. And eventually he lived in a cave because of the decision he made. On the flip side, there is another man called Abraham. Another type of believer. As we read in Hebrews 11 verse 9, it says the following. By faith, he, Abraham, went to live in a land of promise as in a foreign land. Living in tents with Isaac, Jacob is with him of the same promise. God had made a promise and given Abraham a promise of a promised land. But Abraham decided that he would not live on that promise uh, as one who had uh, already received it. But he lived on that land as a foreigner, as somebody who did not belong on that promised land. That is a unique mindset. And the reason why he did that is not because he did not believe in the promise. Or no, did he disregard the promise? No, did he, no, did he not receive the promise? Have you ever wished for, longed for, prayed for something? And when that something comes, you realize it does not fulfill me. You realize that there is a void in your, in your life. There is something missing. You, re you realize that you are like an E.T. You know what an E.T. is? One more can fit. Even if it's full. One more can fit. So Abraham lived in a tent. Just like you and I right now, we are living in this tent called the body. And the Bible says that as we live in this tent, there is a groaning within us for, our, for us to be clothed with our heavenly bodies. There is a groaning inside of us right now so that we can be clothed in our heavenly bodies. Continues in Hebrews 11 verse 10. It says the following. For he was looking, Abraham was looking forward to the city that has foundations whose designer and builder is God. Right now, ladies and gentlemen, if you're born again and you're a child of God, your citizenship is in heaven. Philippians 3 verse 20. Your citizenship is in heaven. And as you live right now here on earth, there is nothing called a dual citizenship. There is nothing called a permanent resi resident visa. Because one day you will go somewhere. You as a believer, 
Your documentation is as follows. Your birth certificate states that your place of birth is in Christ Jesus. Your ID states that you are a citizen of heaven and you are an alien. Your passport is a diplomatic passport with an ambassadorial role on it. And if you are an ambassador, you are not stationed in the nation. You are not part of the, the, the nation where you are stationed. But you are a part of a, a nation where you, you, the nation that has sent you the kingdom of God. And in, just like in the world, whenever there is turmoil, all nations will call out their people. They will call out their ambassadors out of a nation where there's turmoil. And ladies and gentlemen, one day on this earth, there will be something called tribulation that shall happen on this earth. And before tribulation happens, and the last, on the trumpet, at the sound of a trumpet, we shall be caught up with Jesus Christ in heaven. Where we shall be eventually at the end of time be ushered into a new city, into a new place. A new city where the city whose designer and builder is God, whose architect and developer is God. A city that does not have a foundation, but has 12 foundations. If you go to any city in the world, past, present, future, you will never find a city that has a foundation. All cities have buildings and structures that have foundations, but there is no city that has a foundation except the city that we will find ourselves. A city, ladies and gentlemen, unlike the city of Babel, where people say, let us build for ourselves a city, a city where Jesus Christ has gone before us and he, he has said, I go to prepare a place for you. I'll ask you to turn to Revelations 21, verse 1 to 5. Revelations 21, verse 1 to 5. The second last chapter of the Bible. It says the following. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. Prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be moaning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. 
for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. This event happens after what's called the millennial reign of Christ, where Jesus Christ is going to come down on this earth and reign for a thousand years. And after he has reigned for a thousand years, there will be something called the great white throne judgment of God, where God is going to open up the books and he will judge all the living and the dead. And if you are not found in that book, then you will be thrown into a lake of fire. Your final destination for those who do not know Jesus Christ and have not received Jesus Christ is not hell, ladies and gentlemen. It is what's called a lake of fire. And even hell itself shall be thrown into the lake of fire. That is the final location that all who do not know God are going to find themselves. But then John is shown a beautiful sight, a sight of a beautiful city, a place where you and I who are born again and have received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you will spend an eternity and a day in that place. Ladies and gentlemen, you are not going to spend eternity in heaven. I know that stopped people and wondering, what does that mean? You will not spend an eternity in heaven, for heaven will come down and spend eternity with you. For God would unashamedly dwell with his people in a city that he himself has prepared for his people. Now the city, ladies and gentlemen, as the man, as the one who sat on the throne said, I make all things new. These things that will be new will be totally unlike what is what we have currently here on this earth. It will be totally different. Seven things quickly that I'll give you. Number one, no more sea. There will be no more sea. This is the first and startling observation that John makes. And the reason why he makes it is because three-fourths of the world is covered by water. All living creation and living things in this world are dependent on water. In the new heaven and the new earth, the rules and the principles are totally different from the current ones. Where in this earth, we are dependent on water, on the new heaven and the new earth. The glory of God will fill and surround the whole place just as water does even in this place. It will fill not even three-thirds, three-fourths, but it will fill everything. There will be water, the Bible says. There will be a river. And that river will not have just water. It will be the water of life. Number two, no more death. The days of separation will be over. For we shall live for an eternity and a day with no one ever dying. Death, oh death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin. And in a place where there is no sin, there is no death. And sin will be taken away from that place. There will be no sin whatsoever. The last enemy to be put down is death. Never again to come 
upon us. If there is no death, there is no number three, weeping. There is no number four, crying. And now there's no number five, pain. For right now, we go through sickness and there is pain. We go through sorrow and there is pain. We go through labor, there is pain. We go through struggles and there is pain. Even creation right now, the Bible says, is groaning in labor pains because of the curse which was put on it because of the fall of man. Creation is even crying and groaning for this new earth and this new heaven to be revealed eventually. Number six, no more temple. There will not be a need for a temple, for God himself will be the temple. You will worship and see him face to face. Number seven, no more sun, no more moon. For the glory of God will be its light. There will be no more night. That scripture way says, weeping may endure for the night, but joy comes in the morning. There will no longer be any weeping at night because weeping at night will not be there. But there will only be joy because all, the, all, all time, for all eternity, it will be morning. So what is our response in all this? Our response in all this, number one, is set your house in order. In Revelations Four, uh, 22 verse 14 Revelations 22 verse 14 and 15 says the following Blessed are those who wash their robes so that they may have the right to the tree of life and that they may enter the city by the gates Verse 15 Outside are dogs and sorcerers not just outside heaven you will not be outside. You will be somewhere else. And sexually immoral and murderers and idolaters and everyone who loves and practices falsehood, they will be in this lake of fire. Number two, expect the coming of Jesus Christ for he is coming soon. Revelations 22 verse 17. The spirit of the and the bride say, this is the Holy Spirit and the church say, come. And let the one who hears say, come. You may be here today and you have never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And as I've already said, that there is a place for those will never know Jesus Christ. For he has said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And if you've never received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, and we never talk about this much, but it is real, there is a lake of fire that's waiting. But this is not to scare you or to force you to, to receive Jesus Christ. It's just the truth. There's no other way to say it. It's just the truth. 
If there was a lion on the path that you were going, would it be fear-mongering if I where you are going? It would be the truth and it would be love. And if you have never received, never received him, this is a perfect opportunity to receive him today. There is no other day like today, no other moment like today to receive him. And you may be saying to yourself, what kind of God would take people to hell, to a lake of fire? This is an unloving God. But if you knew what he did on the cross for you and I. When Jesus Christ was crucified, you deserved to go to this place called hell. And his love, he poured it out for you to die on that, for, 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 for him to die on that cross. That was loving. So that you can simply receive him as your Lord and Savior. Receiving him is not hard. It's so simple. So with all eyes closed, all heads bowed, I'll ask the church to help those who have never received him to pray the following prayer. Lord Jesus, I come before you and I acknowledge that I'm a sinner deserving to go to the place called hell. But I know what you did for me on the cross and I acknowledge it and I accept it and believe it. That Christ was crucified for my sins and was raised for my righteousness. In your glorious name, Lord Jesus, I thank you that at this very moment I am a child of God. And thank you that my citizenship is in heaven. If you have prayed that prayer, you, you may see one of the leaders or elders or somebody that you came with today and tell them what you just did. Welcome to the kingdom of God. Welcome to the family of God. Right now there is celebration in heaven for what you have done and the decision you have made. And we we thank God for what he has done for us. Jesus is coming soon. Thanks, Clive, for the word, scary word. The Bible says in John 3, verse 17, God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that through him the world be saved. Ladies and gentlemen, the word of God is like a mirror. You look at it and you see yourself whenever it's spoken. This morning, just look at yourself through the word of God. And surely, he loves you. Let's enjoy the week. Let's be excited. Jesus is Lord and is coming soon. You and the Holy Spirit are shouting, come.
Indeed, he has to come, and he is coming soon for you and me. We shall be joyful together. Let's bow our heads and I pray for you as you go out. Father, thank you for your word that we have had. Your word, O oh God, is always sharper than any double-edged sword. And your word never fails. It never returns to you void. It has done into us that which you commanded it to do today. We might not see it, but it is there. Help us by your spirit to leave it, to manifest it, and to demonstrate it. We submit and surrender our hearts to you, that you will continue throughout the week to guide us, to order our steps by your spirit, to teach us until we have bowed to the Lord Jesus Christ and not to this world. Here we are. We belong to you, your Father. We are your children. We are your kingdom. Lead us and guide us throughout the week. Thank you for victory. And again, Lord, we shout in our spirit, come, Lord Jesus. We want to enjoy you more than this. In Jesus' name, Lord, we pray. Amen and amen.